It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, hey, welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, so we have two awesome people lined up to talk to you today and to pick their brains and to hopefully learn something uh, around talent, how to be talented, uh, and you know maybe figure something out about how we can make the, the world of work a little bit better. And really, Talent Talk is all about having conversations uh, and as I've told you many times before, this was about me having a conversation at a conference or somewhere cool, maybe meet someone awesome and be able to pick their brain and learn from them. And that sort of evolved into, well, maybe we should put this on air. Maybe I shouldn't be the only person to hear the amazing things that they had to say. And uh, you'll probably recognize uh, one of our guests today. She's a returner, Dr. Ellen Reed. So you know, we're going to keep this conversation going with her because I think last time we, we started down the road and there was so many more things to talk about, we thought we'd have her back, but she does not come alone. She will be bringing on a partner as well, Dr. Jason Selk, and we'll, we'll get to them in just a moment. But don't forget, um, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can, you know, get us through the TuneIn station or OC Talk Radio, but most of you get us after the fact on the podcast, and that's totally cool. TalentTalkRadio.com, iHeart, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we are there waiting for you uh, like a bad girlfriend or something. I don't know. We're there. Uh, you can find us. It's easy to, to pull us up. Talent Talk uh, and Chris Dyer. And we have so many wonderful stories that come out of, of these uh, different interviews that we do with really a cross-section of people. Um, I put a lot of them in my first book, The Power of Company Culture. You can check that out on Amazon, wherever you buy books. But today happens to be the launch, the pre-launch of the pre-order for my new book, Remote Work, How to Redesign Processes for really to have a remote team, to have a hybrid team. And that is going to be something that has just really going to be dominating the conversation, I imagine, here for a while as we start to bring people back and we leave people at home and we kind of see how work may evolve We've all, I've already written with my co-author, Kim Shepard, the guide to get it done because we've done it. We're doing it now. We have all of our companies are all fully remote and we want to share all of our secrets with you. So feel free to, to uh, pick up that book or to go to chrisdyer.com slash remote work promo and uh, you can get those and all the cool prizes that come along with it. So let's go ahead. Uh, oh, sorry. One last little bit of business before we bring in our guest. Don't forget we are live tweeting. So all the best little tidbits, uh, links to profiles, book suggestions, anything you wish you could have written down if you were maybe in the car while you're listening, uh, you, can, you can find there at PeopleG2 on Twitter or follow the hashtag Talent Talk. You can also interact with our guests. You can ask questions uh, and, or maybe tell us where we got it right, where we got it wrong. We're happy to interact there. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and bring in our guests. Like I mentioned before, we're going to welcome back in Dr. Ellen Reed and also uh, going to end bring back, or not bring back, but bring in for the first time, Dr. Jason Self, and they're both with Enhanced Performance. So Ellen, ladies first, and since you're the, the all-star returning one here, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first and tell us how you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. So yeah, I'm Dr. Ellen Reed, and I am a mental training consultant. And I've been on here once before. And like you said, Chris, I brought reinforcements this time with Jason. Um, but Jason and I, um, I've worked with Jason for gosh, almost 15 years now. I used to say almost 10 years and I've just been saying that for probably the past five years. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're here to talk about, you know, relentless solution focus and hopefully, you know, teach people a couple tools to, you know, make their lives better. 
Um, Jason, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So Chris, thanks for having both of us. That's nice to be here. Ellen said some good things about the previous show. I'm Dr. Jason Selk. Ellen and I have worked together for a long, long time. We actually built this business together. Um, I've written four books. This is the fifth. Uh, the one Ellen talked about, Relentless Solution Focus, is the book we just wrote together. It's the first book we've written together. Um, it hit the bestseller list before it even came out. My previous books uh, are all bestsellers. But I think, and I'll speak for Ellen on this one, what we're really passionate about, Chris, is trying to help people get better. You know, and, and th there's all kinds of ways that that can be done. I think we've both done a really, really good job for a number of years of really listening to what people need, whether that be personal issues, working through just the normal everyday difficulties of life, or if you're in that situation where things are going really well for you, learning how to find that next gear and take it to the next level. But um, I'll speak for Ellen on this one. We're both very, very glad to be with you, Chris, and thanks everybody out there for listening. So your new book is called Relentless Solution Focus. And I think it's very timely because, you know, like you said, there are a lot of things we can do to help people, a lot of things they can do to help themselves in a normal bit of life. And maybe right now we would say, this is not a normal bit of life. This is maybe for most people, the first time we've ever had a major, major occurrence that impacts the entire world, right? I think back to what my grandparents must have felt like during, you know, during World War II, right? They had, there was all this, people were dying, things were happening. You couldn't go where you wanted to go, right? You were worried about your job. I mean, really, really acute stress that I didn't have to deal with, my parents didn't have to deal with, right? Uh, up to this point. And so I think the idea of mental toughness and, and being able to overcome the simple to the, to the pandemic <laughs> is really important. So maybe we'll start with, with you, Jason. You know, how, how, does, how does your book relate to mental toughness? And how, how, is that an area that you think people should really be focusing on right now during this time? Yeah, and I think most certainly everybody, we don't need to recap how tough of a year it's been. And, you know, not to mention, so we've had this global pandemic, we've had social injustice, but look, we're all human and we've all had our own individual personal problems as well to deal with. So everybody yeah. knows it's been a tough year. Has it been tougher than most? Maybe. You know, I, I know for me, I would say it's probably been the toughest year I've had. But to answer the question, this book right now, it, it's what we all need, you know, and let me say a couple of things about mental toughness. Number one, mental toughness is abnormal. It's not normal. Our brains are built to be mentally weak, frankly. It's just a little bit like the bicep that, you know, when a person's born, it's abnormal to have a big, strong bicep. But just like with the brain, even though it's abnormal to be mentally tough, to be physically tough. Second part I want to say is everyone can learn to develop that mental toughness, just like we can all learn to get strength in the bicep. Now, the good news and the third thing I'll say about this mental toughness thing is, again, it's abnormal. Everyone can learn it. Third thing, it takes three minutes, less than three minutes a day. If you did it three days a week, you couldn't help it from happening. Just like with the bicep, if you go to the gym and you do the bicep curls, you can't stop your biology from taking over. The good news about the mental training that we talk about in the book, Relentless Solution Focus, again, it's three minutes, probably a little bit less than three minutes daily. If you did it three times a week, you couldn't help but see results. But here's my favorite part. When I go to the gym and I do the bicep curls, it hurts. I don't enjoy right. it. Right. Nobody wants to be it's, sore. Right. <laughs> mental training is actually somewhat enjoyable. Ah, now, I, I want to manage expectations. Just because it's enjoyable doesn't mean it's easy to do consistently. Three, right. four days a week, week in, week out. It still takes some commitment. But again, everybody can learn to develop the mental toughness. It doesn't take long and it's fairly enjoyable to do. Well, you bring up a really good point because you know, if you equate it to exercise, I like exercising. I like doing that stuff. I hate the next morning being sore and tight and miserable, not being able to like sit or put my arms down. I mean, like, and this, that's almost a, 
stops me from going back again, you know, very quickly. But if you're saying that it's still going to be hard work, you're still going to do it, but I'm not going to wake up in the morning and, you know, not be able to think for three days, right? There's, there's really no reason to do it, even though it may sound, you know, in only three minutes a day, you too can be mentally tough. Um, you know, it really can have a huge impact. And uh, Ellen, what were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, like you said, this has been a really hard year for a lot of people, but, you know, people are really good at being stressed, you know, regardless mm. of the circumstances. And like Jason said, that's normal. You know, I, I grew up with, you know, really loving, supportive family. You know, I was, I kind of fit the mold growing up. I learned in the traditional way. Um, I was a dancer. I was popular. You know, I had everything going for me, but I still, you know, my normal natural state, I really had a high propensity for stress and anxiety. And it's something that, you know, I don't even think I realized until I got a little bit older that, you know, all of a sudden one day I realized, gosh, you know, every morning I wake up and my heart is just racing, you know, and I have all of these thoughts swirling through my mind of, you know, okay, is everything okay? What do I have to do today? Uh, did I screw anything up yesterday? You know, my mind was just going as soon as I would wake up in the morning and, again, this is so normal for, it was so normal for me. And it's so normal for a lot of people to live life that way, that it really doesn't even take a global pandemic for people to really, you know, live our lives with really elevated levels of stress. Mm -hmm. And so I think this year has really opened people's eyes up to the need for mental toughness, but really, you know, again, I am such a testament to this in my own life because I met Jason again, probably 15 years ago and he had developed these fundamentals and, you know, I, I started working for him. I started doing the mental workout. I started doing the success logs. I started adopting a relentless solution focus. And I realized that that didn't have to be my normal state. You know, I didn't have to live in a way where my heart's racing every morning as soon as I wake up. Right. And, you know, I think that we're starting to, now that the book has been out for a few months now, we're starting to get a lot of feedback from people about the impact that it's made in their lives. Um, and, you know, I think certainly we get the kind of feedback of, you know, it's been incredible for my business and things like that. But I think the most meaningful kind of feedback that we get is that it's really changing the way people experience life and the way that they're able to manage adversity and manage that kind of everyday stress. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes for me, it's a little problematic if, you know, people say, well, I did this thing and this was the result and therefore that makes it true. Right. Or, or I did this thing and this didn't happen and therefore it doesn't work. Right. And that's one, that's such a small bit of data. And I know, uh, I think your, your book has a lot of science behind it, right? There'll be a lot more data behind it. And so Jason, maybe you could talk a little bit about what were some of the, what's some of the research that you're sort of bringing into this equation so people can kind of understand it maybe more from a larger uh, subset of data, right? And on how it can actually change uh, our, our, either our lives or our ability to be more mentally tough. Yeah, so, you know, first thing, the book is not a pep talk. I mean, it might be inspirational <laughs> and motivational, but both Ellen and I are very, very clear in terms of this is science-based. So when you ask about the research, I mean, Ellen and I both went all the way through school, uh, if you talk about just the academia, but probably more, more so, you know, for 20, 25 years for me and for Ellen, you know, she's approaching 10, 15 years of studying. We've been really fortunate in, in our practice that we get to work with some of the most successful people walking the planet, literally. You know, the first 10 years of my career, I spent primarily in the sports world and was really, really fortunate. I mean, um, almost right off the bat, started working with professional athletes and then eventually was hired as director of sports psychology for the St. Louis Cardinals and was with them for six years in which we won two world series and then more so progressed into the business world working with really really high level business 
titans and CEOs and small business owners, people who were performing at extremely high levels. So when, when you combine the research, the science and the academia with, okay, what really works? You know, look at human beings, look at the people who are not just making the most money. You know, and that's, Ellen made an extremely good point for both of us. The big reward, I mean, it's easy to help somebody make more money, frankly. The hard part is, can you make them happier? Can you make them better parents? Can you make their marriages better while they're making more money? That's when we both really look at it as a pure win. So the research is, of course, the science is there. There's no doubt about it. Everything we talk about comes through a scientific lens, but then it's been applied into for 15, 20 years. Okay, what works at the highest level? What actually causes people to be happier, to be healthier, to be more successful. And, you know, we talk about a little of the research in the book. We tried to write the book so that it's not a cognitive neuroscience textbook. We, you know, we've tried to really distill and turn into anecdotes the most important information. But here, here are a few of my favorite statistics. Here's my favorite one. People with this RSF mindset are scientifically proven to live up to 14 years longer than normal people. Wow. And in the 14 years, there will be a significant and measurable increase in happiness, success, and health. So essentially what RSF does is it teaches people, not tells people, but teaches people exactly how to increase success and success, you know, my, my ultimate definition of success is happiness while decreasing stress and doing so dramatically. It's not going to be an immeasurable amount. You're talking about, you will know this is working. This is helping. And I think Ellen and I are both living proof that we used to both be normal, just like everybody else, but we learned about the brain and there are certain things you can rewire in your brain. And that's that three minutes a day, the rewiring doing so biologically is just going to make life a whole lot easier. If you like drama, Chris, you're going to hate this book. You will hate <laughs> RSF because this book is the opposite of drama. It really kind of drains the drama out of life. Well, I want to find out more about that in just a moment. We're going to take a quick commercial break here and we'll be right back with uh, Dr. Jason Selk and uh, Dr. Ellen Reed. <laughs> Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or peopleg2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget to go to talenttalkradio.com to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode and you definitely don't want to miss when we have this back out. You can listen again to Dr. Ellen Reed and Dr. Jason Selk of Enhanced Performance. And we're talking about uh, the book, Relentless Solution Focus. And, you know, I'm wondering maybe, uh, Ellen, you could kind of, uh, keep keep kind of the thought going here and what Jason was talking about. And I think what was really interesting, and I've heard this several times on the show and in talking to people, it's often this professional athlete, this high, high level, you know, CEO that has gone and actually paid attention to this type of work, who has benefited from this type of work. And we say, well, duh, of course, they're in a, they're in a high value situation. They're being paid lots of money. The results of their performance has a huge impact on a team or a company. And, but then I want to flip it the other way and go, well, why in the heck isn't everyone doing this? Right. Why right. isn't everyone thinking about this? It, right. Is that, is there a reason? Is it just access? Is it as they're not prepared? Are they not 
Uh, is, it, is it a matter of like social programming? I'm sort of curious as to why you think this is only happening at the top, you know, 0.001% as a starting point, as a, instead of like as a baseline for everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of people are intimidated with, you know, when they hear mental toughness or they hear, you know, increasing your performance. I think people are intimidated by those professional athletes or by the CEO or the business leaders. And they may think, well, gosh, you know, I'm not that, you know, I'm not a professional athlete or I'm not a CEO. And the important point here is that you don't have to be great at this stuff yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And this relentless solution focus is for everyone. You know, it's not just for that 0.01%. It's for everyone. And you don't have to already be at the top of your game for this to benefit you. And, you know, you, you mentioned the professional athlete. And I think it's really important to point out that, you know, the sports world is so many miles ahead of the business world in terms of the mental side of what we do. You know, they, they know to focus on the fundamentals, right? You know, if you go to a, if you watch a typical practice, first thing they're going to start with is the fundamentals. And that's one of the things that we outline in the book and we really teach people to do is to figure out what are your fundamentals? You know, what are your important things to be nailing every single day? Just like that athlete is working on those fundamentals at the beginning of every practice. You know, what are your fundamentals that you need to be doing at the beginning of every day that you need to be nailing every day? And, you know, I think that, Jason started in sports psychology and, you know, when I started, I really slowly worked with athletes and Jason, maybe you can speak more to this, but his first book, 10 minute toughness was geared towards athletes. And, you know, this book was so successful and, you know, drove so many results and people started picking up this book that weren't athletes and applying these fundamentals to their business or to other aspects of their lives and noticing, you know, hey, these things that really work well for athletes, you know, are really making a significant difference in my business or in my marriage. Um, so Jason, maybe you can speak more to that. Yeah, so I think Chris, you make a really good point that this seems like it's for the people who are in that top 0.01%. And truth of the matter is, this is how you get to that 0.01%. You know, it, it, it's very difficult to know. You know, if you go to a bookstore, or, you know, we're just overwhelmed. Our phones are always showing us the new great way to achieve the highest level of performance and success. And so I think for most people, it's very, very difficult to judge, to know what really to trust and what really to put their energy into. And I don't know, maybe I'm biased, um, but I've spent my whole career and I know Ellen comes from the same place that we both have been very blessed in our lives. And this is not about what can we take from people. This is really about our own evolution of, okay, how do we make ourselves the best we can be? And then because of our jobs, we get to amplify that message and send it out. But like I said, Everything in this book is totally science-based. This is not guesswork. This is not, it should work. This is not anything, but if you do it, you literally cannot help but become a better version of you. It is not possible. And I say that not from a stance of, it's a really good pep talk. Mm -hmm. It's biological. What we've studied our whole lives, our whole careers is what's the science of how this brain controls the way we feel and the way we behave. And then we've kind of taken the research. And like I said, we studied those people that seem to have mastered it. And it's all quite simple. This is not a complicated process. And when Ellen says you don't have to be great at this, you're not going to be great at this. But just like anything, if you work on the right fundamentals, most people are trying to do so many things well that they compromise the ability to be great at the most important things. And that's what we're really trying to ask people to do in this book is figure out what your fundamentals are and then apply some of these techniques that you're training your brain to be good at so that on your most important fundamentals, 
you can be consistent. It's not how much you can do in any one given day. It's how many days in a row are you going to do the important stuff? And having this RSF mindset, this mental toughness, seems to be what propels people. I would say this is the number one principle I've come across in the last 20 years studying the most successful people and understanding the brain. This is what will cause you. Will it get you to the top 0.01% in your industry? I don't know that, but I do know this. You put some effort into this and you will love the results. So I, I've kind of putting this through my lens as a kid. And I remember that we were all, my brothers and I were all played baseball and my dad bought like these baseball tapes and it was exactly how to feel the ball, exactly how to put, you know, how to stand, how to push off your foot. It had broke down all of the fundamentals, right? And it sort of demystified all of the little tiny things that we needed to do to be a better, you know, infielder, a better outfielder, a better batter. I mean, it was a whole series that we would watch them over and over and over again. And we all, you know, got a lot better at the game. And it was, you know, your coaches could help you. You could watch other players. But I mean, if you broke it down into pieces and you worked on these things, you could get better. And I, I think then, yeah, but there isn't like a, I mean, there probably is, but like most people aren't going around buying a, the latest series on how to talk to your spouse or how to have a difficult conversation with your kids or, you know, and it's almost like we stop that. You leave college or you leave high school and you kind of stop that. I'm going to go find a coach. I'm going to go find a person. You just sort of are winging it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the idea of practice is hugely important. I think I really want people to take that away that this idea of practicing. Now, people are always shocked in my organization that we actually practice. We have a meeting once a month to practice disagreeing, to practice delivering bad news, right? Because I don't, I want my people to be okay showing up and saying, Chris, this is the stupidest idea you've ever come up with, right? Or like, there's no way we can do that. You have not consider these 50 things and here's why I need them to be willing to, to be mentally tough to, to tell me no, or to tell me I'm wrong. But I think my next question was really around one of the areas I, th I think is so important that you have focused on in your work about people not focusing on problems, but instead it's focusing on solutions. And this is another little area of practice. And I, I, we brought it up on the show before under this idea of positive uh, psychology or appreciative inquiry is another uh, lens of it. Um, but Ellen, maybe you could kind of dive into how does that work for people? How does that begin to kind of retrain their brains when they're thinking more about solutions and problems? Yeah. Well, the definition of relentless solution focus is really the mind's ability to stay focused on solutions especially in the face of adversity, you know, especially when you're faced with problems. And we all, you know, biologically, we have what's called problem-centric thought, where our brains want to focus on the problems first. You know, we're all experts at our problems. We, you know, if you, it's hard to go into any meeting watch any show, you know, have any conversation where you're not being inundated with problems or listening to people talk about problems or venting about your own problems. It's how we're wired. And again, like Jason said, that's normal for us. So relentless solution focus and mental toughness is abnormal. So essentially it's training your brain to be able to stay focused on solutions. And we do that through some really concrete tools that Jason said, again, take less than three minutes a day. And if you will do these training tools, spend three minutes a day or at least three or four days a week, you are going to literally start to rewire your brain. You know, what we know about the brain is that we have what's called neuroplasticity. You know, you might remember that from biology class in high school or middle school, but we know that, you know, what fires together, wires together. So the way we're wired again is for us to be experts at our problems. So we have to do the training. We have mm -hmm. to do the practice or it's not going to become normal for us to be able to focus on solutions. We're going to default back to that PCT. And so, you know, in the book, what we tried to do a really good job of is 
really convince people, A, why they need to do the training for presenting just enough of the science to really show that, hey, this isn't just our opinion. You know, everything in this book is backed by empirical evidence. And B, you know, here's exactly what you need to do step by step. And it's really very simple. And it really doesn't take all that much time. But if you will do it consistently, again, you're really gonna like the results. So one of the tools in the book that helps you shift your thoughts from problems to solutions. It's called the Relentless Solution Focus Tool that Jason developed, the RSF tool. And this tool comes in the form of a question. Again, anybody listening to this, anybody watching this, write this down because this is so important. The Relentless Solution Focus Tool. The tool is again in the form of a question. The question is, what's one thing I can do that could make this better? And it's so simple. What's one thing I can do that could make this better? You know, I think it's easy to say, just focus on solutions, right? Just be positive, just be optimistic. You know, we all probably know, you know, before even listening to this podcast, before anybody ever picks up our book, we know that it's good to be optimistic. We probably heard that before, right? We know we want to be positive. We just haven't been taught how to do this. And so Jason's fundamentals, you know, this book teaches people how, and that RSF tool is a really, really good place to start. You write that question down, put it on your desk, you know, put it on your nightstand. And anytime you catch yourself focused on a problem or wanting to vent about a problem or your mind, you know, you can't get off the mistake you just made, ask yourself that question and force yourself to come up with an answer within 60 seconds. That's one thing I can do that could make this better. And it's often, you know, kind of looking at this situation a little differently. If you, to your point, if you're focused on the problem, if I have, you know, if I have a client call me up and say, geez, I'm mad. And I go, okay, well, how do I get you unmad? That's not really the, gra- the opportunity is, well, what's really going on here? Tell me what's, what, what, what other information do I not know? Because you may find a new solution for them, right? You may find a better way to help them than what you could before. But I, I, this is sort of a silly example I often give people, but you know, I, I've called a few of my friends and said, hey, let's get together for dinner. And, well, they can't do Saturday and this one can't do this and this one's going to be out of town. And, and you're like, well, I guess the problem is nobody wants to have dinner with me, right? Well, no, the problem is everybody's busy. And right. what is it I really want? What I really want is to get together with my friends over a meal. And then if you change, well, what about brunch? Oh, suddenly everyone can do brunch. They can do Sunday morning. So it wasn't that they didn't like me or didn't want to be with me. It's that the, t- the very narrow thing that I gave to them, I, we couldn't make happen. But if I was willing to change some of the variables and think about it differently, right? Very quickly, suddenly I'm with my friends having brunch, which is just as good as with my friends having dinner, right? But it, you can focus on the problem and say, geez, no one likes me and nobody wants to go to dinner with me. Or you can say, well, what's what's the real issue here? Well, the issue is we're busy the next couple of weekends. So uh, Jason, I know you kind of have a, um, a 60 second rule here or, or, or strategy. Maybe you could obviously comment on what Ellen and I were talking about here, but maybe we could kind of dive into that as well. Yes. So your analogy of the baseball is almost perfect here. Okay. So we all know, just like what Ellen referred to, and you're talking about it, we all know that we should focus on solutions. It's just completely abnormal. So, so the equivalent in the baseball terms would be the coach showing the athlete what the perfect fundamental play looks like. Well, you can show the athlete the video a thousand times, but until the athlete goes out and practices, mm-hmm. the body doesn't do what it's supposed to do. You don't have the muscle memory. Okay, we're not creating muscle memory here with this mental training. We're creating mental memory. Ellen talked about neurons that fire together, wire to wire together. The problem, the problem is that we're built to focus on the problem. That's the problem. And the only way around that, you can't pep talk yourself out of it. You can't show a video and you can't just tell somebody to be positive. It doesn't work. You must retrain the brain so that it knows how to behave correctly in the face of adversity. And that's where with the three minutes, that's practicing effective thinking. That's practicing the RSF mindset. And again, none of it is rocket science. This, 
you know, I think in, in our careers, we've done a really good job of taking very complicated things and simplifying it down so that normal people, so that everyday people like you and I can understand it, can do it, and can experience the results. So I just, I, I loved the metaphor, the analogy of the baseball, because it's almost perfect here that again, to tell somebody, don't be focused on problems, don't be negative. It's just a waste of breath. You must train it. And that's what we've done in the book is we've really outlined the two techniques. One's called the success log and one's called the mental workout. So that when you do get yourself into the face of a problem, it's totally normal. Instead of getting spiraled into that problem, you have the awareness to say, wait a second, that's not, I'm not going to sit here and think about why we can't get together for dinner or why I can't make this fielding play. Your brain's going to say just naturally, okay, what's one thing I can do right now that could make this better? And as simple as it sounds, it's completely abnormal, but that right there, I'll tell you, that's the difference between good and great. That's it right there. And I would say, I, I always felt like I had a pretty open or learning learner mindset about most things, but I think some things just came more naturally. And so it was really easy to keep doing those things and to feel comfortable in those things. But I discovered I had a very fixed mindset when it came to learning a musical instrument. And I was, I had somehow allowed myself this belief that some people are just better. They're just mu musical, they're just musicians, right? And I started to learn guitar just because I was bored. My kids were learning guitar. And I was like, well, I'm going to sit here for an hour and wait for them to take a music lesson. I'm going to take a music lesson. And I discovered, I was like, holy crap, it's just practice. It's All this is, is practice. Oh, hard practice. It's not easy, right? And maybe some people might slightly feel a little more comfortable, been a musical family or whatever, but it was just practice. There was nothing magical about learning guitar other than putting in the time and the effort to do it. Obviously I liked it. So then that led me to want to do it more, but I had this mistaken belief that people were just more musical. They just could pick it up and they somehow knew how to do No, they just practiced more than I did. Well, Chris, Chris <laughs> think about how fit you're talking about Carol Dweck's work, you know, which, yeah. which both has been an influence on Ellen and I and, and her mentor, Martin Seligman, is the father of optimism. There's a lot of his research contained in the book. Think how many people have a fixed mindset on how they think. Mm. Most people do not understand our thoughts, our choice. We, we can get better at the way we think and we can get worse at the way we think. It's your choice. Yeah. But just like the musical instrument or the baseball, if you don't work on it, don't expect to get better at it. Right. But if you do work on it, if you will put the practice in, what you'll find because of the human nature, whatever you work on, you will improve. And that's the whole point is realize you can get better at the way you think. And if you can improve the way you think, you control the way you feel and the way you behave. And that in essence is success for the entire organism. But it, again, it's not a pep talk. It, it's, it takes some work. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break here real quick, and then we're going to come back and find out and talk, maybe go a little deeper into what we can practice and where does that, what does practice mean uh, for us in our daily lives? So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit peopleg2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or peopleg2.com. Welcome back to Town Talk Radio Show. And as we've been kind of doing a little bit more this year, we have two great guests on at the same time instead of kind of breaking it up. And we have 
Dr. Jason Selkir and also Dr. Ellen Raiden. I know I have their book, Relentless Solution Focus, on my book club reading uh, list here for this this year. So we will be reading it this year, and I'm excited to be kind of dive into it, especially after hearing more from them and and kind of in some of the connections with some of my other favorite books, like uh, the Mindset Book from Carol Dweck. Um, but Alan, maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about. I know there are sort of three uh, things, that, three steps that people can take uh, in sort of this this method and this practice that that both of you suggest. How do they? How do these steps connect, and how does this all work? Okay, so yeah, we have it broken down, and like you said, into three steps. The first step is to recognize. You know, recognize when your mind is focused on a problem, which may sound simple, but this is actually much more difficult than you might think. And so being able to recognize when you're focused on a problem really just takes you tuning in to kind of what's your critical alarm system. You know, we all have built into us this critical alarm system that alerts us when our mind is focused on a problem. And essentially that's anytime you're experiencing any negative emotion. You know, your mind, your body doesn't do anything. It doesn't feel anything unless your brain tells it to. So if you're feeling stressed or you're feeling angry or you're feeling worried or any sort of negative emotion, that's your clue that you're focused on a problem. So the second step is to be able to replace, replace that problem centric thought with a solution. And I gave you already a great tool to use to help you replace those problem-centric thoughts with solution. And that's that RSF tool. Again, what's one thing you can do that could make this better? So being able to replace that problem-centric thought with solutions. And then the third step is really, you know, this is what we've talked a lot about in terms of the practice, the training. Third step is to retrain to retrain the way your normal brain is wired for that problem-centric thought, to be experts at our problems, to be able to be relentless, relentlessly focused on solutions or mentally tough. And so the training is broken down into two tools, the success log and the mental workout that again, you at least three or four days a week, you're really going to rewire that brain towards mental toughness. So maybe Jason, you think you could walk him through the mental workout somewhat quickly? Yeah. So the mental workout, and, and this was when I first started in the sports psychology field, the, the mental workout was the first thing I taught to the athletes I worked with. It's what got me connected to the St. Louis Cardinals. It was the first thing, I mean, literally the first day on the job with the St. Louis Cardinals I didn't even have a job with the Cardinals. I thought I had a job, but it was really an <laughs> and I taught them the mental workout. And that's what got me the job that kept me there for six years. And we won, you know, again, two world series. It really is. It's a five-step process for professional athletes. It takes a little bit longer. It's a, just over three minutes for professional athletes because you have to visualize at a level where you're impacting muscle memory for us in the business world, normal people, we don't need three minutes to do the mental workout, we need a minute and 40 and it's five steps. I'll just walk really quickly through the five steps. One's a centering breath. It's just really getting your biology under control and starts with the heart rate. Second step, something called an identity statement. It's just beginning to build the foundation for positive self-talk. Third step, something called the personal highlight reel where we do 60 seconds of visualization. In the 60 seconds, what we do is walk you through exactly what to visualize. It's two parts. The first part is you really get a picture in your mind of where you want your life to be in five years and who you want to be, but it's very precise, very detailed. And then the second 30 seconds is, okay, in the upcoming 24 hours, what are those one or two, maybe three at the most, most important activities that I need to nail if I'm gonna position myself to be where I wanna be in five years? Fourth step, you just, again, repeat the identity statement. Fifth step, you take one more centering breath. Again, it's a very simplified approach to retraining the brain for that mental toughness. A minute and 40 seconds in total for the mental workout. The success logs roughly a minute, and that's just answering four simple self-evaluation questions on a regular basis. And, and those, are, those are things, as you said, are pretty simple. They take a little, a little bit of time. Um, and, but they do happen sort of at once, right? This is a, a moment in, in your day when you're doing it. And I, and I 
think about too, like I have a journal here, you know, where I keep track of things. And one of the things at the end of the day is I write down, well, what went well and, and what do I need to improve on? That's just a, a moment where I can reflect and do that. But I, I am curious and either one of you can take this or, 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 or both, but for me, one of the most impactful things, and I've seen this for my people that I have, you know, coached or, or, or helped is a something that can be consistent on, on an ongoing basis. Now, my best example of this is I decided for one year, I was going to say yes to every question that was asked of me. I didn't tell everyone I was going to do this, right? I didn't, didn't give them the permission to take advantage of me, but I, I decided every question I was going to say yes. And for me, that was me rewiring my brain because I realized it was my inclination to say no. It was my inclination to be concerned about the risks. It was my inclination to protect my time. Um, and I just decided I was going to say yes for an entire year. And that fundamentally rewired everything, right? Yeah, I could say yes, and I could say yes, but I had some ways to protect myself against the ridiculous. But that practice, right, which was consistent, had more of an impact on me personally than like maybe doing a reflection at the end of the day or something. So are, 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 do you suggest those types of practices and are there other ones that we should be thinking about? Well, let, let me jump in, Alan, and then you can um, clean up after I finish. We talk about this all the time in the book. Oftentimes, done is better than perfect. So, so what we're not teaching people to do is try to be perfect. Try to be right. perfect with the way you think or the way you behave. None of that. You know, we, we kind of, there's a phrase going around, screw perfect. We, we say it all <laughs> the time. But to answer the question, what we've tried to do is, again, give you some level of training. So what you did with the rewiring, teaching yourself to say yes, you actually changed the neural patterning. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that you had the awareness to say, okay, in my life, I typically say no. My default is no. And I don't want to be like that. That's the recognize step. The replace step, you replace no with yes that's great now the retraining i don't know how you did it how you made it that it was consistent but there had to be some mechanism some trigger that kept you focused on it if you made it through a whole year and again who cares if you were perfect or not obviously right. it made a positive impact on your life but that's what we're trying to do with this training here is we're not trying to teach you to think perfectly on everything we're trying to figure out okay what's most important to you in your life what really do you want? And we make you become very, very specific and very detailed. I mean, it's, it, this is the last three chapters of the book are not a quick read because you have to work. You have to put some work into figuring out what you really want. And then once, once we figure out what your equivalent is of, I want to learn to say yes, then what we do is we go to work. We apply the success law. We apply the evaluation. We apply the mental training of the mental workout so that you actually increase the likelihood of being successful on those most important and yes, consistent activities. That's where the retraining comes in. Ellen, you have anything to add on that? Well, you know, this is making me think about, you know, I've got two little kids. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So I'm kind of in that world right now of children's books and all of this. And our favorite book to read our kids is Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. One, I remember when I graduated from college, one of my aunts got me that book and I was like, what, I'm, what am I going to do with this? And now reading it, I'm like, this is, everybody needs to buy this book again and read it again. And my favorite part of the book is when they're talking about the waiting place. You know, everyone is just waiting. They're waiting for their next big break. They're waiting for, I can't remember exactly what they're waiting for in the book, but their string of pearls, you know, in that mm -hmm. true Dr. Seuss fashion, everyone is just waiting. And this is where, you know, people are waiting for things to be perfect, right? People are waiting to feel like they know hundred percent of their, what the answer is we asked some big questions in the book to kind of get to what are those most important daily activities for you to be nailing. And some of these questions are, you know, what's your purpose in life? You know, what's most important to you in life that it seems like you should really know the answer to that. Right. But most people don't take the time to answer those questions because they're too worried about getting them perfect. 
But we want to avoid that waiting place at all costs. You know, we want to avoid those holding patterns at all costs. And people get so consumed with trying to be perfect that they fail to even take the first step. You know, and that's the way when we focus on our problems, it does the same thing for us. We get so consumed with trying to solve the entirety of the problem or to be able to understand fully the problem that people get paralyzed against even taking that first step. Or I need to find the perfect program that's going to help me, you know, get to the next level. Just start. You know, just pick one thing. And we talk about this a lot in the book that don't try to even do everything in the book. Pick one thing and just get a start. Just get out of that waiting place. And it's so easy for us to want to live in that waiting place. But again, just get a start. Pick one thing that resonates with you and start attacking that one thing. Yeah. How to get 1% better today mm-hmm. or this month or this year or this whatever, but I just do a little bit, right? It's, it's, it's baby steps. It's, and, and that's important. Not how do you go from, I haven't picked up a baseball bat in 30 years to, I want to be in the major leagues, right? This is not the kind of step we can actually take. So uh, we're, we're almost out of time here. You, you two have been spectacular guests. I really want to thank you for being on the show. Um, Jason, how can people find out more about you and your work? If they're interested in finding out more, I know certainly they can go Find the book, uh, Relentless Solution Focus on Amazon, wherever they buy books. But what's the best way for them to find out more about the two of you? Yeah, and I'll I'll hold a copy of the book up. Uh, The first thing I'd tell you, just pick up a copy of the book. I think everybody right now, this is a book that people need. And it's going to make our country better. It's going to make our world better. It's something, if we can be better at controlling what goes on in our heads, we're going to be a better society, no doubt about it. So I'd I'd tell you, you know, go to your your bookstore, Amazon, whatever, you know, your, your online bookstore, your in-person bookstore, pick up a copy of the book. Our website, jasonselk.com, Ellen's information's on there as well. If there's ever anything we can do, and I'll speak for Ellen on this one, we're here to help, you know, and we have plenty of free resources as well. If you check out our website, we try to offer free, you know, whether it be a, a once a week article that we write, Mental Toughness Tuesday, or there's all kinds of videos and so forth. But I, I'd, you know, if there's one thing I would really, I would really push people pick up a copy of this book and just read the first chapter, just read the first five pages. And if you haven't picked up something by the first five pages, reach back out to me and we'll figure out how to make it right. Well, fantastic. Alan, Jason, thank you again so much for being such great guests today and sharing such fantastic insights and we did get Ellen to come back uh, again. Maybe we can get Jason to come back another time as well. And we can go a little deeper, but uh, uh, really again, thank you both for being on the show today. And hopefully you all learned something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Uh, tune in next Tuesday. Uh, and until then do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. Thanks Chris. Thanks Chris. Thank you. 